welcome to Hello Government, the podcast. As always, I am your host, Abdullah, and today I'm joined by Introduce Yourself. Hi, I'm Lindsay Vega, and I'm a voice actor and content creator. And um, what are you most known for? Um, probably Chris Tales and Ghost Runner. Uh, I play Wilhelm and Secretary Lana in Chris Tales, as well as um, Zoe in Ghost Runner. So how did you get started? Uh, well... In terms of getting started, it kind of is a little bit twofold. Um, I started voiceover by actually starting streaming. Um, a lot of folks enjoyed the voices and stuff I would do while doing my playthroughs of games and whatnot. And uh, from there, I started to look into it. You know, I had always been interested in voiceover as a kid, but it was one of those like, that would be so cool, but it's unattainable kind of deals, you know? And uh from there, I ended up looking into classes and I started doing some work online. And what was your, um, like, how did you, like, what made you want to pursue voiceover? I mean, I just really, I always loved making people laugh with, like, my impressions and stuff growing up. Um, and I really enjoyed doing voices and all the character mannerisms when I would be reading out scripts and stuff on stream for, like, video games and whatnot. Because uh, I mostly stream video games anyway. Um, and I don't know, I just, I started to love it. And then when I started taking classes and everything, it just kind of blossomed, you know? So it was just, um, it was just the thing you started doing like on stream and, and people were like, hey, you know, you should do, you should do voices for a living. And you're like, okay. Right. Yeah. And the, the funny thing is now, like looking back, they say that to a lot of people. <laughs> but um, I I ended up, I ended up actually pursuing it and it's been working out so far. So what's your favorite thing about voiceover? Hmm. I mean, probably just getting to know the characters. I know that's like such a cliche kind of answer, but it really is just a, a wonderful process of like listening to what a director or what a team wants and then trying to go from there and build up who this person is, right? Like who this entire entity that needs to be brought into this project is. And I, I find that to be the most fun part. I guess like the brainstorming part. And how do you go about brainstorming? Well, uh, for me personally, I try to listen to what my directors have to say, obviously, because, you know, it's their project. Um, and then I try to think about, you know, the certain situations while, we'll, while we are recording, like uh, how how would this person you know, this person we've created now, you know, whether it be like a grumpy young time age, uh, like Wilhelm and Chris Tales, or if it's a nerdy, quirky kind of girl uh, from Ghost Runner, like Zoe. Um, and I feel like I just kind of try to run through different scenarios in my head and like how they would react in order to like start working on building up their mannerisms and and how and so that it's just a little bit easier to be quick on my feet while we're recording. And do you do you listen to any frame of reference or do you just go ahead and like uh, come up with a voice that you think would fit the character best? I mean, it really depends when it comes to auditions. If they have a reference, you know, I'll obviously take a look at the reference or if it's, you know, for a project and they're saying, well, we kind of want mannerisms like this. I'll take their reference and try and make it my own. Obviously, you know, you don't want to just copy pasta someone's work. Um, but I, I do try really hard, especially in auditions to kind of break the mold a little bit with what I'm sending in. 
So you don't want to sound like everybody else when you're sending in your audition. So I try to do like a take, like I would assume, you know, the director would want versus like a take that I personally think this character would sound like. How did you get involved in uh, Chris Tales? With Chris Tales, it was actually interesting. Uh, a friend of mine who had seen some of my work previously, uh, particularly like my demo and stuff, uh, he reached out to me and he said, hey, you know, we're developing this RPG and I'd love to introduce you to the the folks who are running the, you know, the whole show here looking for voice actors and stuff and have you audition for them. Uh, and then we had our, our session. I ended up meeting with, you know, uh, Derek and Carlos and we were talking during the, uh, the session and whatnot. And they were like, we're just testing the water, seeing, you know, what characters you would fit for and everything like that. And they had me record for a bunch of characters. Um, and we ended up nailing down Wilhelm for sure. And then secretary Lana as well. Uh, and they actually used the recordings from that in the demo. And then a little bit later, we ended up doing like the actual recordings, but it was just mostly like word of mouth. It's kind of weird how the industry works, I guess. <laughs> and what is your favorite thing about voicing those characters? Oh gosh. Wilhelm in particular is just such a, a lovely, grumpy, caring kind of figure, you know? He's 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 a, a, a he's not actually young, you know, spoilers, um, but he's he just has this old soul, I guess you could say. Right. And he's just very grumpy, but he loves all of the people in his party and stuff. And he's protective and he cares. But he's like, oh, you know that I'm at wit's end kind of deal. I can't deal with this anymore. <laughs> so I just really loved like bringing to life that duality of. You know, I really am tired of this, but also I love these people kind of vibe, you know. And is it weird hearing your voice in, in a video game? I mean, kind of. Yeah, it it was definitely the most weird because um, Ghost Runner was probably like the first biggest project I was on. Um, and hearing my voice in that was strange because it was like actually my normal voice, my regular register. Um, so that was pretty strange. It was like, oh, uh, this is hard for me to get immersed in because, you know, like this is actually just me. Um, but it was it was really fun. And with with Chris Tales, it's actually interesting because I was doing an actual voice for Wilhelm in particular. Um, I I found it a lot easier to get immersed, sort of like so it wasn't as weird. Maybe it was because I was already used to like being in games and stuff and hearing myself. Or maybe it was just because it wasn't my regular register, finally. But, um, yeah, I, I found it kind of weird at first. But with, with Chris Tales, it wasn't that weird. I asked because, like, a lot of people I talk to say they can't stand themselves listening to themselves. Oh, I mean, but that's everybody. Like, nobody nobody likes the sound of their own voice, realistically speaking. You know? It's like this weird thing in our brains. Yeah, because we're not used to hearing our own voices. Like, we're used to talking to, to other people, but we're not used to hearing ourselves talk, if that makes any sense. Right. We also we also hear ourselves differently than other people hear us because of the way that, like, our, our ears are set up and stuff. It's really cool. And do you have any favorite Wilhelm quotes? Oh, gosh. Off the top of my head? Hmm. I think my favorite thing was uh, actually recorded for the demo. <laughs> it was not the take I expected them to go with. And it was, uh, he's he's talking about Chris Bell and he goes, impossible. <laughs> and it's just like this really, really ridiculous kind of like pronunciation of impossible. 
And that's the one they went with. I was like, oh no. <laughs> and they actually asked me, they actually asked me to do that particular pronunciation for like while I'm in mid-conversation, like, no, that's impossible. <laughs> like every single time the word impossible came up, I was like, oh no, this is a thing now. <laughs> is is it weird like hearing that specific take and thinking, oh Lord, they went with that one? <laughs> Well, I mean, it's one of those things where when you're in the booth, like there are certain takes you're like, ooh, I don't want to say anything, but oh God, I hope they don't use that one. Um, and then they end up using it. And once you actually hear it in game, you're kind of like, oh, that's actually kind of cute. Or like, oh, that actually kind of fits. Okay, I see it. But when you're recording it, you're like, oh God. <laughs> and uh, how long was that session? Uh, the The initial one? Yeah, but the initial and yeah, the initial one. So the initial one where they were kind of testing the waters and also recording, I believe was around like two hours. It was something like that. Um, it might have been like an hour to two hours, I would say. Nothing above that. And was the act was the full session just the. Uh two or three hours or four hours oh no 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 so um will help actually has like the second most lines in the game don't quote me on that I, that's what that's what derek told me <laughs> but um yeah so he he has like the second most lines and then you add secretary lana's lines to it as well um and i, I had a lot of lines i think i had like 800 or something it might have been a little less it might have been a little more i'm not sure because um, some in some of the documents it's like repeats and whatnot, but um, we did multiple sessions. I recorded entirely remotely for that project, and I think most, if not all, of the talent recorded remotely for it. I'm pretty sure even even Kira and Zeno and Lizzie and all of them. Um, I'm pretty sure they all recorded from home. So um, it was quite a few four hour sessions. I think it was like something like four or five sessions. Four or five sessions. That's uh, yeah. It's kind of it's kind of a lot for a video game. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, uh, you're doing. Well, not all of them were four hours. Some of them were like pickups for like uh, particular lines, or uh, some of them were. I did like a a reading for one of their uh, one of their advertisements for the game too. Um, but I think just counting that, it was like seven sessions total. But like one of them was the initial. The other was uh, the commercial. So I'm thinking around like four to five. Yeah. But some were three hours. Some were four hours. Nothing above that, though. And how long does it take to beat the game? I'm kind of curious now. Uh, oh, to beat the game, actually, it's it's an RPG. So it takes a little while uh, since it's like turn based and everything. I beat it, I think, in around 30 hours. It might have been a little less than 30 for me. And that's everything with with the side quests included, right? Yeah, all the side quests. And you can also, um, whatchamacallit, uh, you can also do multiple playthroughs because there are different endings. Or you could just, like, you know, save and then replay the ending kind of deal. No, I, I was just I was just curious because um, I, I was like, that that's kind of... I, I think now it makes kind of sense why that why those sessions were long because it's you know thirty hour game and big old game. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of curious. I'm like, oh, that's kind of too much for an indie game. Oh wait, it's it's thirty hours. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Without going into too much spoilers, like, do you have any other favorite character moments? In general, in that game, or in, in general, in general. Oh man, all of the interactions with uh 
with Matthias and Wilhelm, as well as the the interactions with uh, Christopher and Wilhelm. They're just so sassy and spicy and funny. I, I love them. I love them a lot. <laughs> so just mostly like all character interactions. They They did a really great job of like making our characters kind of bounce off one another, I feel. Which is amazing, considering it was you guys all recorded all separately. Yeah, yeah. I, I've not spoken a word <laughs> to most of these other actors, so it's pretty cool. And does it feel weird, like, um, just just uh, experiencing the whole thing for the first time? It definitely was an interesting experience, because I I had done... I had been in Ghost Runner before, right? Like I mentioned, and... Um, for that, my character was a lot more of like a, a passive little helper kind of person, if that makes any sense. Um, so she'll tell you about things like, oh, you know, up ahead, there's going to be this thing or like, oh, I don't know how we're going to handle this. Um, but with Chris Tales, it was a lot more of like um, an, an important role, I feel, in terms of like Wilhelm is very much so like a, a voice of reason in the group. And he has a lot of advice to give Chris Bell and a lot of other things like that. Um so for me, it was it was such a, a weird but fun experience, you know, just seeing because because when you record, you're like, oh, man, you know, I could have done this, that the other thing better. But when you finally get to play it and you hear all of the interactions like with your character and when you hear everybody else's work and stuff and how everything is just pulled together, it was so amazing. It was just like an amazing experience because for the work that I've done previously, a lot of it is very one-sided, you know, like not not much back and forth. And for Chris Tales, it was just so nice to see how everyone's work just really w made this beautiful, beautiful web of of just, I guess web isn't like the, the best comparison, but you know what I mean. <laughs> this beautiful mosaic. It was really great. I think everyone did awesome. Do you have any other favorite uh, mo uh, performances wise? Like, do, is, are there any performances that you, you know, you watch for the first time? And you're like, that's, that's a really good uh, performance. Oh gosh. Zeno. Uh, he played Christopher and he was so good. I mean, everybody on the cast was amazing. Lizzie's character uh, was just so high energy and wonderful. And uh, Damon Mills played uh, JKR and, he was great and and Cody uh Cody is another one of my favorites for sure. Um he played Matthias and gosh, he he nailed it with with Matthias's voice and his mannerisms, but uh a lot of the the moments that could have really fallen flat if they didn't pick the right actor were with Zeno's roles, with Zeno's role as Christopher and I think he did such a wonderful job. Yeah, I mean he's it's crazy how big he's gotten in the past year alone. <laughs> yeah, I when I saw the cast for 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 Crystals because I was one of the initial actors they pulled on. Uh, they had Kira originally, and then she started helping with casting uh, after they pulled on both uh, Cody and myself. So Cody, you know, they pulled on for Matthias, and for me, they pulled me for Wilhelm and Lana. And then Kira came on, and you know, she worked her magic, brought in all of her amazing friends, and. Uh, it it was a little a little bit of a double take. I was like, "Excuse me, who is on this game? <laughs> like, who else is working on this? Excuse me." Um, so for for me, especially with like this being, you know, probably my like my biggest project as someone who's worked mostly in like indie. I mean, not mostly entirely in indie. Um, 
it was it was definitely like a oh gosh i hope i don't screw up <laughs> because it's odd that um a lot of the cast is la based but then you have like maybe two or three people that aren't la based and i'm kind of like okay what's the what's the story behind that <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it honestly just had to do with like the method of of casting prior to, you know, how uh Kira got involved. So Kira was involved when when I went for my initial session, they said, "Yeah, Kira's going to be Chris Bell." And I was like, "Oh my god, like I loved Kira Buckland in in literally everything I've ever heard her in, right? Like I am a huge huge near fan and her in Automata, I was just like, "Oh my god, how am I going to deal with this?" You know, my brain exploded. Um, cause it was such a, I'm such a big fan of hers and, uh, Cody got brought on as well. And I'm not sure the, the origin story for, for Cody. Um, I think he auditioned actually. I think his, his was like purely auditioned. So good on him, you know? Um, so he got brought in via audition. Um, and I think, I think everyone else was like Kira helping them to pick people and helping them to do some some auditions because obviously they weren't just going to pull people and be like, yeah, you're this person. They they had all of us try out for characters. So, and um, have you interacted with any of your other cast mem- members? Um, a little bit, a little bit. I I don't really know uh, a lot. I don't really know most of them well. Obviously, you know, they're all in their their LA sphere and. It's kind of it's kind of one of those things where like you don't want to you don't want to bother people. I don't know. At least at least me, I'm the type of person who kind of keeps to myself. But um, I did get to do a little bit of a roundtable with Cody and Kira and Zeno, and that was awesome. They're all just such wonderful people. So definitely them, definitely them. They're all really great. No, it, again, it just kind of seems uh, like I, I still <laughs> can't get used to the fact that. Um that a lot of games nowadays are casting multiple people and like multiple, like multiple people from multiple uh, regions in one project. Otherwise. Like... Right. Right. It's, it's really cool. Um, with, with the, the pandemic and everything, it's kind of just become one of those things where I feel like a lot of studios are more open to the idea now of remote talent because, you know, everybody's beefed up their setups during the pandemic and whatnot. I had mine before it. <laughs> So it kind of was just very fortuitous that, uh, that, that, I mean, not fortuitous that the pandemic happened, but like in terms of the move in the industry, of course, um, that I already had my stuff set up and whatnot, but I, I feel like a lot of studios are becoming more comfortable with the concept of folks being able to record from home and whatnot. And I mean, obviously there's still going to be that preference, especially as the world opens up a little more again. Uh, there's going to be the preference of going in studio and having their auditions in person and having their recording sessions in person and whatnot, uh, since it keeps it all streamlined onto like one type of tag. You don't have to worry about different mic sounds and like everybody's setup and like whether or not they're acoustically treating their background and stuff. Um, so uh, it's it's been cool to see how a lot of work has been remote, but I'm like, no, because a lot of it's going back to uh, to in-studio stuff. And I'm all the way here in New York. <laughs> and um, how was it, what was the experience like recording from home for you? Very warm. Very, very, very warm. Very sweaty. Uh, <laughs> it's it's one of those things where you, you really have to avoid background uh, noise, right? So... You can't have on your air conditioner or like your fan or anything in the background. Um, 
and you'd think, oh yeah, you know, the weather's pretty nice out, right? Like it's it's kind of cool in my office. As soon as you close that door and you you put your your whole body in your booth, you're just like, oh no. <laughs> so it was a very very warm process. It was very fun, and I I loved every minute of it. But I was also dying. <laughs> Well, you're not the first person I've I've had on here who's like <laughs> they built their own um, yeah. built their own recording booth and it gets real sweaty and hot and <laughs> yeah it's so bad it's so so bad I mean it's it's really nice to have the luxury of being able to record and not worry very much about how like it's gonna sound um, but man oh man uh, I've recorded in studio before and let me tell you I definitely prefer that. <laughs> normally they don't have like a super duper tiny booth and it's like a nice sized room and it's not warm uh but here oh plus in in the studio you have engineers around and they can like you know work their magic up front yeah yeah adjusting the gain and stuff you don't have to worry about it Mm -hmm. because that's that's the biggest pain and that, that was the biggest pain i think a lot of people um had when it came to recording from home is that you know getting the gain right is just right Luckily, my partner, um, he is, uh, he's actually an audio engineer. So funnily enough, that would be, we'd be brought together by fate, I guess. So he, he taught me a lot of the stuff that I needed to know. And I already had like an idea of these things because of streaming and like, um, my audio setup, you know, has always kind of been a little bit complex and trying to like get everything figured out. So I'm pretty well versed in it. And then I also had him to help me with it. And sometimes he would actually monitor some of the sessions for me just so that I wouldn't like freak out about oh no i have like a part where i'm supposed to yell or what have you um so it's really nice uh, my one recommendation to everybody would be find yourself a partner who's an audio engineer you know <laughs> i i think i had someone on who is married to an audio engineer and she was like yeah, oh my I was, god I was, I was lucky <laughs> i was already married yep. to, to an audio engineer and he helped me out and i'm like yeah there you go thank god <laughs> And, and and I've had someone who used to work in um, ADR before they got into voiceover, and they're like, he knows like everything there is to know about oh my audio. God. So it's like it wasn't a problem for him, but the problem was is that because he was a former ADR guy, everybody came to him about <laughs> about about how to work from home, and he learned the hard way that a lot of people that you thought were uh, tech savvy. Don't know are not. Jack about nope. tech. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I mean, everybody also has like those those fudge moments where we kind of like, uh, I'm actually pretty intelligent, but I have no idea what's going wrong here. You know, like where you freeze up. But uh, but yeah, I f- I feel like that person definitely got off very lucky. Uh, because ADR is is serious business. I've I've only done like uh some some classes for it, like practice sessions. Um, and man, is that stuff fast paced as someone who never did it before? I was like, holy moly, you get into like the, the, the groove of it pretty quickly. Um, but it definitely is like a, a whole different, you have to like use a different part of your brain (laughs) at the same time. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And I still, to this day, have no idea how engineers do it. Like, I don't know how they, like, how do they get their stuff, their stuff to sound so good? Because like. I listen to a lot of raw audio. Like, you ever pull out like raw game audio files and just listen oh, to the raw audio? Yeah. And how well it's mixed, <laughs> and I just kind of want to like reach out to the engineers. Yeah. Like, how do you do that? Because 
you know, recording audio sounds totally different when it comes to to playback. Right. So I'm kind of just wondering, like, how do they do plugins? That? <laughs> it's all plugins. Yeah. Like, uh, for example, you know, I've there have been it's crazy. It's crazy. I've done test recordings with Kenny, my my partner. And uh, like, it'll be it'll be <laughs> I'll just be doing mouth noises. I know that's totally weird, <laughs> but it's just like to try and try and like see if he could actually edit it out. So we'll be reading a line and I'll make sure I'm extra like blah. <laughs> and he can actually do it. It's insane what these audio engineers can do. Like you they can get rid of mouth noises. They can get rid of like cars honking in the background. They can do all sorts of stuff. It's so cool. There's there are so many neat plugins that are, you know, applicable to all different softwares. But I mean, obviously they cost money. Um, but holy moly if you get good with audio gear and like audio equipment and plugins and stuff man you can make magic happen no i still get jealous whenever i listen to something that's so well mixed and and the audio is like so amazing and i'm just like right oh i wish i wish i was that good when it came to (laughs) when it came to to my own audio setup but alas i'm you know, I got to make good, good with what I got. And right. that's pretty much everyone I've talked to during pandemic time is just making good with what you got, really. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that ends up being, you know, there's only so much that you can do from home, right? A lot of people don't have room to put a, a full booth or or they don't have room to totally destroy their closet and then put up like foam and stuff. Um, So it can be it can be really a big challenge for for engineers. You know, you want to try and get your your setup as you know well acoustically treated as possible, but there's only so much you can do, right? Without it being an actual studio with like you know noise noise canceling like everything and perfectly acoustically sealed doors so that nothing from the outside comes in. You know, that's like my dream. I want a studio in my house, but like you know, <laughs> that's impossible. Um, so it's just one of those things where that's where the audio engineers definitely shine. So thank you to all of them who make my audio not sound like garbage. <laughs> no, they're they are the real heroes because without, without them, the entire industry would just cease to exist. Yeah. <laughs> or it would just look a, a completely different way. And I don't know how I'd feel about it. Uh, um, do you have any like favorite uh like during recording, like what were some of your favorite uh, lines to record for any project? Hmm. Oh man, uh, there was a really funny one uh, in Ghost Runner in particular, and it was uh, it was basically like you know, I don't like I don't know how you did this because I almost pissed myself just watching, uh, and that one was a fun one because I I cold read it. <laughs> And when I read it out, I started laughing mid-line. And that's actually the line that they used for it. Um, so I was like, I almost pissed myself, you know. Uh, and that was that was pretty neat to see that they used, like, the very um, just raw moment for that. So there was that. And then there were, uh, I guess, like, most, mostly, honestly, like, I know this is a cop-out, but all the interactions between Wilhelm and, like, Christopher and Matthias and Chris Tales, because... Those lines were just so fun. And there's one character where I finally got to curse in Chris Tales. <laughs> I got to curse once in the entire game. And it was it was literally just calling someone a donkey, you know, like an ass. Um, <laughs> and it was so great because you that, that whole line was just so, so like sassy and fun. And 
you could tell that Wilhelm was at wit's end, but like he never he never cursed at someone. <laughs> so that was pretty fun. I just like being able to to curse in character, I guess. I guess that's the moral of the story. Well, everyone wants to curse in character, but the problem is they can't because all those characters are owned by other people and they don't like it when when you say stuff that uh <laughs> that goes against their intellectual property. Right. I mean, you can't. I've seen people get away with it. Like they'll post like an Instagram. No, 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 no. Never skate the edge. Don't live on the edge. No, no, no. You don't want to get in trouble with studios. I mean. No. (laughs) Abdullah, no. Depends on the actor, really. When you think. I mean, I guess. I guess. I guess there there are some some folks who could get away with that kind of thing. Not me. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not saying do this. I'm just saying, like, some people <laughs> like, like to do that. Um, like, uh, you mentioned you do streaming. What other games do you stream? Oh, man. Uh, so I'm I'm actually a variety broadcaster, and, and I've been doing this now for six years. It's how I've made my my, my living, actually, for, for the past six years, crazily enough. Um, I was very fortunate to be able to start streaming during a time like uh, when when streaming wasn't crazy popular, it was popular, but it wasn't like as you know superfluous as it is now, where a lot a lot of folks are getting into it. Um, and I I started off playing Counter Strike Global Offensive. I don't know if you know that, but that's like a, an FPS. Um, and then I swapped into Variety, and <laughs> I started Variety by hopping into Dark Souls. So that was fun. Uh, very very difficult time during my my streaming career because Dark Souls is a very hard game, but it made me a better gamer. And as a result, you know, I've been able to branch out into so many different types of games. So basically, like anything that isn't a sports game is is mostly like what I'll play. Right now, we're doing a lot of Final Fantasy fourteen because it's my newfound addiction. Uh, but I've been playing a lot of other stuff. Like Kana just came out, and that is so good. If you're if you're interested in it, I definitely recommend checking it out. Um, and yeah, just, just a bunch of everything, mostly like story-based games are my favorite though. Uh, when you say story-based, what do you mean? Like RPGs or? RPGs. Yeah, for sure. RPGs, but also like, you know, sometimes we'll play episodic games like uh life strange and stuff like that. Like I love those two narrative games, things with, with a, a juicy kind of story, lots of side quests and stuff. So RPGs, narrative games, things like that are my favorite. And how many games have you be- beaten on stream? I actually have a list. Hold on. Let me pull it up. Let me pull it up. Uh, it's It's been a lot over the years, actually. And I made this list way back when. Uh, and this doesn't include the games that we've played that we've not beat. So let's see here. How many, where's this games being on stream? So there's, oh gosh. Uh, I wish there was a way to count how many lines on here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Okay, I'm only on the D's and it's like twenty-six already. So let's just assume like a hundred or so. <laughs> wow, a hundred games on stream. That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean we've played even more, but you know, what is it's it's my it's my living. So I've I've been able to put a lot of time into games. And do you ever go back to something that you've beaten, or is that, or what, or are you one of those, are you one of those uh, people who's like, well, you know, when you're done, you're done, you're not going to go back to it? It really depends on the game. Um, 
like I always find myself going back to Skyrim at some point. Uh, but I feel like that's like a, a most people who play Skyrim kind of the kind of deal. Um, Sims I'll go back to too, but like for the most part, I kind of I kind of leave all of like the the games that I've beaten in the past. Um, one that I typically end up going back to that's like a very narrative driven one uh, is Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons, and it's this this indie game that um, focuses on like the journey of these two brothers, and you know they're their father's sick and their their mother had passed away previously so they go on like this journey to kind of get this this medicine or like this ingredient from like this tree in order to to heal their father and none of the game is like actual co- coherent like language it's all just physical mannerisms and stuff and watching how these characters interact and it's it's oddly enough like the game that's most like that's that has impacted me the most while playing it emotionally um because even though there was no there was no like i guess verbal communication that you could understand it was just told so beautifully through animations of like their physiology and whatnot and um wh- uh, what was the longest stream you've ever done longest stream uh i've i've done 24 hour streams before I've done 24 hours. I think it was like 24 hours and like 10 minutes or something. Um, do not recommend. <laughs> They're pretty popular on on Twitch and whatnot. Um, but as I've gotten old and grumpy uh, in terms of like I've been streaming for six years, you know, um, I've kind of realized that. And this is this is something that I definitely if you if you are new to streaming, I recommend you don't do 24 hour streams. And it's not because I don't want you to get like, you know, your super duper amount of coverage and like a lot of people uh, coming to see you. It's it's because it really messed me up like physically, like my back is so screwed from from not taking appropriate breaks and not stretching and not taking care of myself, you know, Um so the biggest thing that I would recommend, like in terms of in terms of that is as as fun as long streams can be, um, by the end of a 24 hour stream, you're usually grumpy and not coherent anyway. So who wants to watch that? You know what I mean? Um, so keep them small and keep them in the time slot that like you actually want to stream in because a 24 hour stream is great. If you got like, you know, you get rated and everything like that, that's cool. But that doesn't mean that that viewership is going to transfer over to like your regular time slot either. Um, because they're coming to you at like, you know, 10 a.m. EU time, but that's like four in the morning for you, you know? I honestly can't imagine doing anything for more than eight hours, to be quite honest. Right. Like, I, it's I insane. <laughs> I mean, I do like, I would say, I would say my, my, my normal comfort, comfort level, I try to keep streams around like five to six hours um, because I've actually, I need speech therapy because I've, I've kind of screwed myself into this situation where um, I, I'm, I'm dealing with muscle tension dysphonia, which is something that typically goes away. But because my job is like, there's no break to my job, you know, and then on top of it, you add voice acting as my other job, right? Like, I have both of these jobs that require me to talk a lot. And uh, I ended up dealing with muscle tension dysphonia now for like the past three years, and it hasn't gotten better. So I'm actually scheduling like my speech therapy and stuff. Because uh, my my ENT was just like, um, Lindsay, like, <laughs> you're missing out on this entire part of your range, because your vocal cords are so exhausted. And basically, like, the deal with muscle tension dysphonia is um, your vocal cords, they can't resonate off of each other. They're so overused and so exhausted that 
they're trying super desperately to even provide like the sound that's within your natural range, that there's like a little gap right between them. And they're trying super duper hard. And like, it's, it's really weird. Cause you get to like watch it on the camera as they like put, put it down your, your, your nose into your throat and stuff. Um, and like, oh man, you just, you, you see the difference in like how, how you're not supposed to have a gap between the, your vocal cords at all. It's just, it's the weirdest thing seeing like your vocal cords vibrating, but not off of each other. And basically like with that, apparently um, your voice cannot hit the points at which it normally would. So your higher register is supposed to be even higher and your lower register is supposed to be even lower, but you physically cannot reach it because your vocal cords are trying so hard to keep up. Sorry to hear that. That sounds horrifying, to be quite honest. I mean, when your job's like talking, yeah, but I mean, it's one of those things where I've built the habit where I still do it, uh, but, you know, speech therapy incoming. (laughs) So hopefully that helps. But it is important to pace yourself when it comes to anything, really, streaming, working, you know, writing, anything, because, you know, you don't want to end up burning yourself out at the end of the day or hurting yourself. 100%. And I mean, that definitely was something I dealt with, like, after doing those streams, like, I would, I would do my 24 hour stream. Yeah, great. And then the next day, I'm like, guys, I'm out of commission. I'll see you in like two days, you know. Um, So it really, it really doesn't do any any justice for you. So if there are any folks who who listen to this and are are looking into streaming, or they do stream, um, my recommendation is don't do that 24 hour stream. Make it a 10 or 12. <laughs> I mean, I get like streaming for charity, but even then it's like, I, I can't imagine anyone doing yeah. doing 24 hours because it's like, that's too much time. And what, what are you going to, like, how are you going to keep yourself entertained with, you know, for 24 hours? It's just mind boggling to me. It's not healthy. Um, I mean, not be, I mean, just like not taking time to, cool off mentally and like sleep or read a book or like have your coffee or something like just to relax and not have your brain constantly be going for 24 hours like I have anxiety that stuff sucks when you're doing a 24-hour stream because you're like oh no I don't want to take too long on my break and stuff but like you're literally streaming for 24 hours what do you mean you don't want to take too long your break take 15 minutes and cook yourself an omelet you know like take care of yourself. Um, so it's one of those like really, really slippery slopes. I feel with streaming where a lot of folks kind of go in with the misconception, uh, that more time streaming means more time for exposure when that's not at all the case, you know, uh, 24 hour streams can be fun, but they're just, they're too many for me. There are too many like bad sides to it. I mean, like I said, I I can't imagine doing it because yeah. <laughs> I, I struggle with like recording something for like more than an hour and a half. Like to me, it's like an hour and a half. That's enough. That's, that's enough content. Right. Like I don't need to listen to something that's, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't record for more than like an hour and a half or, you know, if I'm playing a game, it's only like two or three hours. I can't like I can't do four or five hours of a game unless it's Oh like... well <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> it depends on the game, but uh Ooh. 
I, I, uh, I get very engrossed. <laughs> no, there was one time I played an entire game in like 13 hours. And I, I kind of regret that because I'm like, this is not very good, but I'm going to see this through because I'm not playing this again. Oh, <laughs> oh no. It's one of those, those games where you have to like pull yourself through it. Oh, I hate it. Yeah, because I'm like, I'm going to pull through this. You know, it, it was one of those rare days where um, the house was 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 uh, it was me alone in the house and there was no one around. And I'm like, OK, I need to entertain myself. So I got time right. to kill. And this game's only like 13 hours long in total. So I'm like, OK, it's a narrative game. I'll, I'll play it. And then I, you know, just powered through it because I'm like, this is not very good. Oh, no. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, <laughs> and it's a controversial game now because, uh, you know, ugh. not, not, not going to get into why, but you know, oh, looking, no. looking back at it now, it's like, yep, <laughs> it's aged poorly. Very poorly. Yeah. I find a lot of stuff from, from years and years ago, definitely aged very poorly. Um, cause we do a lot of, I, when I was younger, I grew up with an older brother, Kyle, and he, he's very into gaming like he's he's still to this day like mlg super way better than me at video games even though i do it for like a living um but (laughs) he uh he kind of was the system hog you know what i mean like we'd have the consoles my mom would be like all right you two share uh and it was mostly little Lindsay watching and him playing (laughs) and with that, there were a lot of games that I never got to play. So we go back and we play a lot of older titles, you know, like even even like all of the all of the greats. You know, we we went back, we played Mass Effect, we went back and played like the Resident Evil games and all of these really really old gems. And it's so funny to in this time <laughs> create content on games that are so old and like listening to the voice acting from back then and just like the way dialogue was written and like just how 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 different the mindsets were back then in like the 90s and stuff versus today you know how much we've learned and grown as a society in general about just ourselves as humans it's it's very interesting to see oh man this was back when you know Metal Gear Solid was like somewhat easy to understand (laughs) this was before Kojima went full full on oh god (laughs) yeah yeah I mean I love Kojima's work um but but Death Stranding was definitely um definitely a weird one I loved it but it was it was one of those games you're like what did I just play but also like oh okay now this all kind of makes sense No, I hated Death Stranding. I was like... Oh, you didn't no. like it? No, it was mm. awful, awful game. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's one of those things where I feel like the, the gameplay was kind of monotonous in that, like, um, whatchamacallit, you doing the same thing over and over again and having to, like, run around and, like, oh, yep, there's more of those slimy things. Let me just try to stealthify. And then you end up getting, like, pulled into the the slime and everything like that. Um I feel like that was definitely a monotonous part that I did not enjoy. Um, but it's part of the journey, you know? <laughs> that's how that's what they say. It's part of the journey. The ga- like the narrative itself was pretty decent. No, it's even the narrative is terrible, really. Because yeah, you think so? It, it's it's really terrible because it's like, oh no, here's a character that's dying, and it's played like a really serious scene, and I'm like, I just met this character. 
why should I care? <laughs> right, right. I I will I will agree to that that they they definitely did um have a lot of I, I guess it made it a little bit like harder to associate with these characters because they jumped around a lot in the story and like the timeline was weird. Yeah, and and it's look I love you know I I'm oh god I'm gonna get so much hate for this but. You know, to me, Kojima's strength is that he revels in his weirdness. Like, he's very <laughs> unapologetic when it comes to his weirdness. But this, I feel, like, the best way I can describe it is it is a passion project. And it is a game that I understand, like, some people really love it. Some people really hate it. I, I'm, right. I, I am one of those people who just really hates it because I understand what he was going for. And I just don't agree with that vision. It's right. not the worst game I've ever played, but, you know, it's not something I ever go back to. And you're like, wow, I want to give this another try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. It was definitely one of those games where, like, ever, either you liked it or you you really, really did not like it. And again, I mean, this is coming from someone who really enjoyed, like, um, you know, some games that people don't like, you know, I kind of liked. I mean... It, it, it's it's very subjective and at the end of the day i'm not going to be like one of those people who's like hey you know i think this is terrible and you're not allowed to like it it's like whatever who, who right cares, yeah you know? <laughs> yeah like... i mean everybody's entitled to have like a little discourse you know and like not want to say oh i love this game you know you don't you shouldn't say you like something just because somebody else does you know so Stick to it. Don't let people bully you. <laughs> no, no, I I get crap from just liking you know, <laughs> from just liking stuff like Mortal Kombat 11. I mean, a lot of people really dislike that game. I understand why, but I I like right. it. You know. Yeah, I never played it, unfortunately. Um, but I I I definitely heard the discourse online about it because. I hear everything when it comes to this stuff. <laughs> oh, which which discourse was your favorite? Was it character endings? Was it character designs? Was it my favorite uh, character wasn't in this? Was it why uh, are these guest characters around here? <laughs> and I would yeah. joke like one of my favorite things is like one of my favorite jokes when it came to the FC, you know, the FGC in general is like every time like a character is announced that everyone hates there's always going to be one person who's like, oh, this character is a wasted spot. And I, mm -hmm. and, and what I love doing now is that I, I would joke around saying, I love this character. He's my favorite wasted spot. Oh no. <laughs> Who's your favorite wasted spot? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it's, it's one of those things where just because you don't like a character doesn't mean there isn't somebody out there who who really loves that character or like really likes their personality or whatever, you know, like who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really dumb. And at the end of the day, it's like, hey, you know, I understand that everyone wants to have their specific character, their favorite in their favorite uh, franchise. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, we have no control over who gets in. Right, so, right. You know, I, you can I, voice your concern and say, "Hey, I really hope we get to see this one." You know, it's not like devs don't look at the their Twitter, um, but it's one of those things where you should probably be nicer about it. I, I don't know. I just wish the internet was nicer to each other. <laughs> Everyone on the internet, please stop being mean. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> uh, you and me both, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, it's just I just really it makes me sad how we can't just have discussions about whether a game is like enjoyable or not. It's all about discourse now, and I'm just kind of like, is there a game that people just like or dislike based on its own strengths and weaknesses? Instead of just, oh, I don't like this game because blah, blah, blah. Or, oh, this is terrible because blah, blah, blah. I'm like, who cares? <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, I was discussing this the other day with uh, my community on stream. Um, like, the particulars of, like, how, I guess, kind of, like, descriptions of games go online in particular. Like, for example, you know, how Harvest Moon was out forever before Stardew Valley ever came out. And then everything all of a sudden became a Stardew Valley clone. I feel like, in general, everyone on the internet is just so quick to kind of draw their knife on each other when it comes to things that they like. Um, and it's just become something that's a little bit... It, it's it's kind of scary to deal with a lot of the time, you know? Um, it's... People, people, I guess, just don't know how to communicate these things in a way that's effective and, like, actually productive for developers in general you know like calling something a harvest moon clone is not gonna make you know not a harvest moon clone but calling like new farming sim a, a stardew valley clone and like that's why you don't want to play it is not going to be a helpful bit of advice right like you like that genre so why not help them differentiate themselves from other parts of the genre right or like why not give some sort of feedback if there is like a character missing in a game that you really want to see that character be like hey i'd love to see this character rather than just you know rip the whole franchise apart i mean i'm old enough to remember when every first person shooter that came after doom was automatically labeled a doom clone even though it had nothing to do <laughs> with doom i'm just like okay doom is popular why is every first person shooter <laughs> called a doom clone right it's like it's like the dark Souls syndrome now you know like where Every game that has combat where you parry or dodge roll is automatically like Dark Souls, you know, like Kena came out. Right. And it's this it's this really beautiful game where there is, you know, a little bit of a, like a complex kind of combat system in terms of like, you know, there's parrying, there's there's bow and arrow, there's rolling, there's heavy attacks, lead attacks and stuff like that. And uh <laughs> It was just so interesting because I'm playing this game. I'm like, oh, man, I'm loving it. You know, the animations are beautiful. The character scenes are so cute. You know, like my ovaries are exploding with how adorable this game is. And <laughs> and everybody's like, yeah, the combat kind of looks like Dark Souls. I'm like, stop. No, <laughs> no, um, it's not. A, it's not like Dark Souls. It's just a combat that's like slightly complex. There are games that came before Dark Souls that had this combat, you know, like, why, why? <laughs> oh, yeah, it reminds me of that joke of like someone pointing out, oh, man, uh, rolling in video games didn't exist before Dark Souls. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. Uh, but it's, it's it, I, I understand the effort and it's like, one of those things where it helps people who might not be as well versed in the variety of games that exist um, to kind of understand like, hey, you know, there are some complex, some complex like uh, game mechanics in this for combat. So I get it. But at the same time, it's also very like I, I could imagine being a developer and someone saying that to me and just kind of dying a little bit inside. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're like, oh, you think it's a Dark Souls clone? Okay. 
great. Meanwhile, it looked nothing like Dark Souls, and Dark Souls wasn't even like their inspiration for any of the game, like at all. <laughs> and it's just, I don't know. I feel like it's it's one of those things where it it kind of peeves me a little bit. Um, so I always try to be like, no, it's not a Dark Souls clone. Let's calm down. <laughs> like we can have different games with similar mechanics. And there's nothing wrong with like taking inspiration from other games. I mean, that's how it's been done. Right. Years. I mean, that's how games are developed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like calling every platformer that came after Super Mario Brothers a Mario clone. Like, Right. I mean, that game paved the way for platformers, but it didn't like, you know, the games that came after it weren't Mario clones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I feel like we just live in a very... Um... A very weird time where where a lot of um, I don't know how to explain it. There, there's like a lot of brand like loyalty, I guess, to like these these certain types of games, um, where where it's taken a little bit to the extreme. Oh no, the, the people being so uh, <laughs> people people creating this uh, blind loyalty to a product made by people who just want <laughs> who just want money. No. No, no way. <laughs> yeah. I guess I should have thought about that one, huh? <laughs> no, it's just it's just weird to me because it's like I see people like getting, you know, defending like really bad business decisions or 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 um, you know, defending franchises and I'm like, "Okay, fine. It's it, you know, I'm not saying don't be passionate about about the thing you love, but at the same time it's like you know, there's a difference between you know, constructive criticism and just someone crapping on something just for the sake of crapping on it, you know? Precisely. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of it, it's, it's, it's either extreme. It's either, you know, oh my God, I hate this game. Or like, how dare you say this mean thing about this game that I love? You know, it's like, I, I can, I can dislike a certain part of a game and still like it. And I can dislike certain things that studios do, but still like their product, you know? Um, and it just comes down to, I guess, like, being able to communicate that in a way that doesn't stoke fires is is kind of becoming a difficult kind of situation. You know, having an opinion on on pretty much anything is like a little bit tough nowadays. I feel. Um, no, I, I because I think people and I, I don't care if this sounds like a hot take, but I think the problem is we've gotten so used to this absolute mindset and that everything can either be really amazing and perfect and have no flaws or really terrible or you know, really terrible that we've forgotten what it's like to say, I enjoyed this thing despite but, its flaws. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel, I feel like it's one of those things where hopefully, hopefully because a lot of folks are realizing that this is a thing, it'll, it'll kind of die down eventually, but I'm, uh, you know, that's a little bit of wishful thinking. <laughs> Oh, trust me. There, as long as any video game exists, there'll always be someone who's like, "Ah, this part sucked. Uh, why, yeah. why? Why is this game getting so much praise? This game is terrible, or this game is amazing, and I don't want anyone to sell me other tell tell me otherwise. Tell me otherwise. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> um. And out of all the out of all the games you've streamed, like does it get you know tedious sometimes <laughs> streaming stuff something to completion? Um, yeah, and that's one of those things where I've always been the type of person who's like, I'm gonna beat this game. You know, I don't want like 
anybody who's watching this playthrough who really has been enjoying it to to be disappointed and be like, oh, Faye didn't finish this or like Lindsay didn't finish this. Um, but for me, I have gotten to a point now where I'm old and grumpy and <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I'm not having as fun of a time as I, as I should be with this game. I'm going to give it a shot maybe down the road or like, I'm just going to not finish it. I've played, I've played enough to where I'm happy, you know? Um, and that was kind of a very hard thing to, to get to that point personally, because I always hate being like the one who's kind of like a cop out and like, oh, you know, oh, no, she gave up on another one. Uh, But it's one of those things where if you're not for streaming, if you're playing something that you're not enjoying anymore, everyone can see it. You know, it's no matter how good of an actor or how good of like a performer in general, because, you know, in and of itself, Twitch is a little bit of a performance, right? Like or or live streaming in general, not just Twitch, um, but all of this like online media is a bit of a performance in some way, shape, or form. No matter how like realistic to yourself you're being when you're live, um, or when you're recording your content, it's it's one of those things where if you're not enjoying what you're doing, people will see that, and that drives people away. You know, like if you're not having a good time with this game you're not going to be putting on your top performance. So I've kind of been moving away from like, I'm going to finish this game too. I'm going to check it out and then we'll see if we'll finish it, you know? And that's been a lot healthier for my mindset uh, when it comes to, you know, streaming five to 10 hours a day, right? Plus you don't want to go into something that you know is going to take like 30 or 40 hours to beat and, and you know, right? get stuck on, on a certain part and you're like, ah, Damn it! I, you know, I don't. I, it, it's gonna look like I'm quitting, but I'm just not having fun with it anymore. Right, and I think that's like an okay thing, like to kind of recognize you're not having fun and and leave it at a at a, a point where, you know, I had my fun with this title, but not anymore. You know, kind of stopping it before you hold a grudge against it, so to speak. No, I I find myself doing that a lot more these days because it's like I don't want to burn myself out trying to to get like a trophy or something you know that right. it's gonna be like you know time consuming or like trying to level up a character to like the the max level and trying to get like everyone up to max level to to get to get to this one mission i'm just like i'm just gonna pace myself and i'm not yep. gonna play every day because i know it's tedious leveling up characters is tedious and I don't want to do that every day. I'm just going to be like, okay, uh, these days I'm going to play it. Uh, other days I'm going to focus on something else, you know? And Right, yeah. I think that's you got to divide and conquer, so to speak. Because, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, games nowadays, I think one of my biggest problems is every every game is, is uh, clamoring, for, clamoring for your attention. And sometimes when you get engulfed in in a game you're just like i don't want to stop playing until i get this thing that uh, is that means nothing but it you know that but it's it's very slippery slope but it looks cool yeah yeah i mean that that that's an issue now that i'm facing with like uh for example i i started playing final fantasy 14 uh which is an mmo and i have been like i've been an mmo player my whole life like, I started on RuneScape, and then I moved to Puzzle Pirates, then to Mabinogi, then to, like, X, Y, and Z, Guild Wars, you know? Like, I played WoW in college and stuff like that. And, like, 
I, I stopped it for a while because I was like, okay, this is not good for stream. You know, like MMOs typically don't work out, but because Final Fantasy XIV has such a good story and a lot of unvoiced dialogue, everybody's been really enjoying it. So it's been really good for my channel. Um, but I've been, oh God, I've been sucked in. It's so good. It's such a good MMO. <laughs> uh, so it's one of those things where like, I'll I'll be like, oh, I'm just going to get to this level. Or like, oh, I'm just going to finish this part of the main story quest. And then like, you're like, oh, but but I could I could just go to this next area and like, you know, see a little bit more of the story, right? Like, <laughs> so it's just, it's just uh, such a slippery slope, especially with MMOs or like RPGs that are very intensive with, you know, character leveling, like turn-based stuff. Not even turn-based stuff. Like, sometimes, you know, in general, like, RPG elements are added in, and you're like, well, you can't get into get to this mission unless you're, like, at a certain level. How long does it get to to, us, to that level? Three or four hours. That's right. a long time, but I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and even even with, like, you know, the uh, the more casual side of things with, like, story and stuff, like, like if you think of um, Fire Emblem, Three Houses, and how, oh, my God, there are so many things you can do in that game. You know, there's fishing, there's all of the the side stories with all of the characters. You build up your relationships with those characters and then it helps you in combat with those characters. It's, oh, <laughs> when that came out, I got sucked into it too. Oh no, when uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 came out, like, <laughs> what am I, like, I just love how, my experience with that game was I just did a couple story missions and then I just like, okay, I I gave up and it just became a poker simulator. <laughs> I I clamor for like a really good poker game and there hasn't been a really good poker game on, you know, there hasn't really been a good right. um, poker video game. And I'm like, this is the closest we're going to get to a good poker video game. And I, I don't <laughs> care. I'll spend like hours playing poker and i'm just like i don't care <laughs> you know, this... yeah i mean that was me with with uh with the witcher 3 with gwent oh my god we were like yeah we're we're gonna go through the main story and stuff and then they introduced gwent to me and i spent like three like six hour streams playing gwent <laughs> doing like all of the the gwent quests and stuff it's so bad when you find little side things like that the little side hustles Oh man. <laughs> no, it's it's amazing because you know with Red Dead 2 like there are various poker places that you can go to and I just like spent hours just going from like one poker location to the next and just oh, like, no. just ignoring everything and just playing And, and the seeing. worst part <laughs> is probably that like you could have made and this this is what always kills me. I always get so absorbed in what I'm doing in that moment. I'm like, all right, next poker table. Let's make our way to, like, this town. You could probably find an easier way if you continue with the main quest to get to that town. It happens literally 90% of the time. Like, you're like, oh, man, this this took me, like, two hours to get here. I'm finally here. You know, I was fighting mobs that are, like, way too way too hard for me. And then you finally, <laughs> you finally get to that point in the quest, and you're like, oh, I could have just been on a carriage <laughs> this entire time, right? Like, it would have insta-teleported me or something. That's why I always look whenever a new game comes out and it's like an open-world game. I'm like, is there a fast travel? Because <laughs> yes. if there is, <laughs> I'm going to just use that. And if not, then, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
like because that's my problem with like open world games like um grand theft auto and like all, all those types of games and is that you just end up driving from one place to another and i'm like look i get it i get it it's supposed to be an open world but at the same time it's like would would a fast travel system be so bad? Like, would it be so bad? No, it wouldn't. And and the thing is, like, I feel I feel a lot more games that are doing like this open world thing are absolutely capitalizing on the on the fast travel kind of deal. So when when a, when a, when a game is like creatively deciding, or like when when a dev team is is deciding creatively, like we're not going to do fast travel because. We're going to make you ride your horse all around. You're just like, oh, no. <laughs> like, it adds, you know, X amount of hours of content. Like, the only game I can think of that I just, that had fast travel, but I ignored it was Spider-Man. Because the web swinging was just so much fun in that game. I just, like, I'm, I don't want to fast travel. I just want right. to experience the, the the greatness that is uh, web, sl- yeah. web swinging. <laughs> yeah, it's so pretty in that game, traveling. With with Red Dead, I just it was horrible uh, because for whatever reason I don't know I don't know if you experienced this but um, when when like riding your horse and stuff I just for some reason I get distracted and then I'd slam into trees or fall off a cliff and stuff and that's always really fun but also like it's it's so graphic and horrible and. <laughs> I just like it would happen and we'd be on stream and like everybody would be like, oh, my God, you know, because we just watched like this poor animal, you know, go through this. And I really I really hated that side of it. But slamming into stuff was kind of funny. No, uh, one of my favorite moments was I was riding my horse and there was like this random encounter. Someone's like, hey, you. And I just turned around and I crashed into, into a tree because <gasps> oh, no. I was. Because I wasn't looking because I turned around to look at the guy and I'm like, oh, there's a guy chasing me. And I, you know, pulled out my gun and I wanted to shoot him. But then, you know, I wasn't looking at the, you know, it was at what was in front of me and I ended up like hitting a tree. (laughs) Right. Oh, no. Yeah, that's that's like my entire experience with Red Dead and Skyrim. If I'm being honest, like in uh, in Red Dead, I remember when I was playing the first one. I was riding my horse around and I think I got distracted or something or something knocked me off the cliff. Like, cause you know how there's other, other, uh, NPCs traveling on the road with you sometimes it, uh, (laughs) I ended up getting like knocked off of like a cliff and it rolled for like, (laughs) for like a good 30 seconds. Like your character's just like rolling down the mountain and then you finally get to the road and you just like skid (laughs) because of like that weird physics they use. It's so funny. Oh no! One of my favorite uh, things to do in like the original Red Dead is just go up to the top, <laughs> go to the top of the the highest uh, mountain I could find, and just like jump off it just to see. Oh no! <laughs> just to see the character ragdoll. <laughs> oh my god! It's horrible to think, but it's pretty funny. <laughs> no, because you know, in any other game, it would be horrifying, but because like this is a video game and ragdoll physics are a thing, right? It's right, right, hilarious. Right. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> It's like right. some of my most favorite moments playing like any RPG, really. That, that that was another thing I really in well, I think that's one of my problems with um Assassin's Creed is that we you know when 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 my character gets stuck climbing a building, it just it's like ah, uh, god. He damn just it. freezes there. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah. Like, trying to go up. Why won't you go up? 
I know there was a reason I had a harder time getting immersed in Assassin's Creed games than other ones. <laughs> no, because like you spend a lot of time like climbing and right. I'm just like, okay, I don't mind that, but why is the system not very good? Like, why is it not very good? Yeah, right. If that's going to be like a core element of of your gameplay, right? You you'd think it would be a little bit more focused on physics, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's not like Skyrim where you can just, like, find, <laughs> find like, uh, whatever exploit and just, like, abuse that and, and yeah, know, there you go. <laughs> um, out of all the games you've, uh, you've uh, streamed, which ones were your favorite streaming-wise? Hmm, that is a tough one. In terms of stream... Um, I definitely have to say, like, my first playthroughs of things, like Skyrim and um, Dark Souls was definitely a big favorite of mine because I looked at, like, my friend uh, Lobos, right? I had... So so how, how I got started with the variety thing was I was playing I was playing CSGO and I was kind of like, you know, eh, I'm having fun with it, but, you know, I'd like to play other stuff, but I'm kind of scared to, like, dive into other things because, you know, that could affect your viewership. Um, and I went to PAX East and I met... Uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Lobos Jr. And he's great. He's such a cool dude. His content's really awesome, too, if you're into, like, Dark Souls and things like that. But he also plays, like, old-school RPGs and whatnot. Um, so I, I met him, and he was talking about how he plays, like, Dark Souls. He does all these crazy challenge runs. He's like, yeah, you know, I I fought, I, you know, I did, like, a Soul Level 1 run with literally no clothes, like, n- nothing on, and, and things like that. And I'm like, well... If this person can can literally destroy the game in that fashion, I could at least give it a try and see if I could beat it. And I feel like for me, Dark Souls was one of those games that really ignited like my competitive side in terms of gaming because you know, I've always been the type of person who's like, ah, you know, I'll just I'll just play and enjoy this game, you know, blah 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 blah. But like Dark Souls really makes you focus on animations and like uh invincibility frames and all of the things that are like so intricate when it comes to game design on the side of like you know the animators and everybody who's doing the work behind the scenes for these things and for me i feel like it it really gave me a bigger appreciation of video games playing a a game like dark souls and i know that's like really weird um to say but i i really do feel like while that experience was super difficult uh, playing through the Dark Souls series was definitely like one of the highlights of of my entire streaming career. I think that game kind of ruined fighting uh, fighting animations for me because any other game I play through now, I try to play it like Dark Souls when it's not meant to be played at like Dark Souls. Right, right. You're like, oh, parry time, and it's like, oh, wait, okay, these parry timers are off, and yeah, I mean, I could see that. And it doesn't help, like, nowadays when it comes to games in general. I think one of my biggest problems is a lot of boss battles have this horrible habit of of telling you, okay, all that stuff you were doing through in the past, like, five or six hours, forget all that. Here, come up with a new strategy to beat, beat this boss in, like, five minutes. Yeah, here's an entirely new mechanic that we're just going to pop onto you, like, ten hours into the game, you know? And I just don't like that. And I, and that was my biggest problem with uh, Control. I mean, right. the game is a lot of fun. I really like Control. It's a weird game, and I like the concept, and it's it's a lot of fun. But the boss fights are just not very good because it's like, okay, all that stuff you were doing before, 
all that stuff you spent like 20 hours doing forget all that <laughs> here's here's a right. here's a boss fight that plays like every other generic boss fight and it's just like ugh. oh yeah yeah which is such a shame because that game is was really creative and um again uh, very underrated in my opinion yeah from what i played of it because I, I that was one of those games where like oh i'm having fun with this but also like I, I had a million things on my docket at the time, and we were checking out a bunch of different games. And kind of like when you get a review code for something, it's expected you're going to, you know, actually play it. So uh, I try to, like, at least give attention to everything that I get for at least a stream, you know, just to see, like, if I would like it and to kind of look at it with my community and also as, like, a thank you to the devs. Um, so for Control, I think I played it for two streams, and I, I really did love what I played. Um and I thought it was like this very interesting atmosphere. It was kind of, it was, it, I mean, it, it's, it's like the, the Max Payne kind of stuff, right? Where like, it feels very like, I guess, separate, like, like you're kind of like separated in like a dreamlike state is how I felt while playing it. And I thought that was really, really unique in terms of like their presentation. Uh, my problem with Remedy is that, you know, they have like really interesting concepts and, and, but sometimes the execution isn't very good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the it's the deal with a lot of developers and stuff, you know. They have such awesome ideas and it really is just so difficult to like nail down perfectly how you want your concept to be brought to life. So I I highly respect it even though like sometimes it falls flat. Um but like for me, Biomutant could have been so good. I don't know if you played it, but it could have been so oh, good. And and it was just up. so flat. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was just so flat. Like, I, I really, I loved, I loved everything I saw in the trailers and every, the world was really cool. But then it just felt very, I don't know, empty. And like the combat felt kind of hollow. Yeah, I mean, because I was really excited when I saw that trailer. I'm like, this is going to be a sleeper hit. This is going to be a sleeper yeah. hit. And then you play it and it's not very good. Yeah, it was it was a really disappointing one for me because like that could have been so good. I mean, a lot of games are like that nowadays, where you know the concept seems uh, nice on paper, but then you know you play it and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> this is sad. <laughs> uh, getting agents of mayhem flashbacks. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh God, that game could have been amazing. <laughs> I never it? played it, so maybe maybe it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the humor and voice acting are, are phenomenal, but everything else is just... <sighs> oh, no. <laughs> it's so bad when, like, voice actors pour their soul into things, and, like, devs do too. And, like, the combat in a game sucks, or, like, there's a million things wrong with it, but everybody's like, but the performances were great. That's, like, the biggest sad thing for... <laughs> For me, at least, as like a VA, like when I hear, oh, I'm like, oh man, I'm so excited. You know, I did my my top my top notch job on this. Like everybody else that I heard did amazing, and then like you see everybody just like, ooh, the gameplay for this, and you're like, oh no. <laughs> no, because uh, I'm friends with uh, one of the voice actors in that, and she said, like, I remember on the podcast, like one of the things uh, the devs told her was. Okay, get ready. You know, you're, this is going to be the role you're going to be known for. This is going to be like their next big franchise. And then, you know, the game came out and nothing. Absolutely oh, nothing. Oh, no. <laughs> the poor thing. 
I mean, in the first place, you shouldn't really be like, you know, saying, hey, this is going to make your career. You know, that's that's a little bit strange coming from like a developer, you know, um, but in the same token, like, I, I guess I understand like why they would say it, because if like their ideas were really, really cool or something, they were really excited. Um, but yeah, damn, that that really sucks. Like you pour your heart and soul into something and then. Oh boy. <laughs> I think that's like the only way to describe it. Just oh boy. Yeah, and, and it's even worse when the game underperforms and it becomes a huge flop that it causes like massive firings and just a complete restructure and, and just like volition right. saying, okay, screw it. We'll just reboot Saints Row because that's what people want. And there you go. <laughs> We're not going to even yeah, bother. Um, yeah. We're not even going to bother with any new franchises anymore. So, yeah. Yeah, that's but you know when a, a a franchise that I really liked, um, that I was surprised because we played we played it like a, a while ago, but it was one of those things where it was, it was an older game, but I never I never played it, kind of deal. We checked out La Noir, and I thought like the, the concepts in that game were super cool, and like even the the facial animation technology was so ahead of its time. It was really good. I don't know if you ever played it. Oh um, no, I I remember playing it when the remaster came out because I never played it back when it right. first came out, and I really liked it so much. I it was it was a game that really shocked me because I didn't expect I was going to like it this much, but I really did. Me and... neither. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was so bummed to find out like they there was nothing about an Alien War two or like another game of that similar vein, because. Um, Wow, that was that was a cool one. You know, it's always weird when you see like a certain type of genre that you're like, they could make a killing off of this, and they're just like, yeah, no, we're not going to continue it. You're like, oh, no, come on. I just wish someone ripped off the interrogation system because I really like the interrogation system. In that. yeah, it was so good. I mean, the funniest part about the interrogation system though was like you would you would think that like what you're about to say is one thing, and then it comes out completely different. You're like, oh no, I just threatened this man's wife and kids. This is not what I meant at all. This is the opposite of what I thought. Hey, how's your day going? Is you know. <laughs> No, I just love the actor in that because I love the direction he was given because he was just, he went all out on every yeah, single so line. Good. It, it was, was so, so good. Yeah, I, I loved every part of that game. Uh, and I even interviewed uh, one of the actors in that. And, and it was uh, it was a weird experience for him because he was like, it, because if you play the game, it, they used his face and voice, but it's not his body. So it, it creates this weird illusion. Oh is, God! Because what he what they did was like he just you know he just like they just captured his um, facial animations and and voice, but right. they didn't capture his body. You know, they just like stuck his body on on someone else. So it so you 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 um you see his face and voice, but. It's on someone else's body and it looks really oh, weird. Oh, that's so strange. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes like the the mannerisms in that game are like really weird with like their body movements versus like their facial animations. They did such a great job, especially for the time with like the uh the facial animations. That was that was some revolutionary kind of, you know, mocap. And some of the body movements are kind of interesting. So that makes sense now. <laughs> That makes a lot of sense now that they they kind of just use different actors for that. No, but it still makes me laugh that um, you know this was twenty 
2011 and oh who's the biggest celebrity we can get greg grunberg (laughs) (laughs) greg we're sorry if you're listening (laughs) no i mean he's he was great in, in in the role but like i just love thinking about like oh man this was like a huge deal back then because like, oh, you know, there's going to be a big actor yeah, in the yeah, game yeah. and it's Craig Grunberg. <laughs> it's it's very interesting to see like uh, celebrity casting in video games, especially like I, I feel like there was a wave of it and then it stopped. And now it's like coming back again with like 12 minutes and stuff where it has like Willem Dafoe and uh, Daisy Ridley and James McAvoy and whatnot. I always I always find it interesting because I'm like, hmm. You know, like they did a great job, but like also, you know, you could be you could be just hiring like voice actors. What's the the pull behind this? And it's it's just very interesting to see like, you know, it's kind of like one of those uh one of those things where they sit in a boardroom and they're like, hmm, well we could hire voice actors, but uh what about what about uh what about Willem Dafoe? <laughs> Let's bring him on. We'll spend like a billion dollars over the budget, you know. Or what have you. Well, to be fair, William Defoe was the best thing about Beyond Two Souls, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, he was really good in Beyond Two Souls. <laughs> yeah, I just find it always very interesting to to see like celebrity casting because it's one of those things where you you know you're like, wow, these guys are really really good at what they do for sure. Um, but they definitely could have saved money by getting like a a really great voice actor, you know, someone who who has high quality equipment or who who is really good at their craft. Um, but they, they go with, you know, the, the, they go with their celebrities. So I think it's very interesting because I, I guess it comes from a place of them wanting to bring on someone who will kind of hype up the game a little bit in terms of like, oh my God, this is Willem Dafoe, you know? Um, it's, it's very interesting to me. <laughs> or in the case of Call of Duty, just get like, um, what's his face from Game of Thrones? <laughs> Jon Snow. <laughs> Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh gosh, what's his name? Uh, Kit Harrington. Yeah, Kit Harrington's his name. Yeah, have him stink up the entire production. Oh, poor kid. <laughs> I actually liked him as Jon Snow, though. I think I think he did a great job with that. But that that is a fair point. Where you know, like uh, I don't know about his performance in in Call of Duty. It, it was Call of Duty, you said. Uh, Infinite Warfare. And it's, oh, Infinite was, Warfare. Yeah, it was one of the games that weren't wasn't very liked. It was like, oh, why is it in space and blah blah blah. So right, so right. <laughs> it was already like yeah, oh no, bad, bad material to begin with. And you already get like a Hollywood celebrity to try pull to pull people in. Ugh. Yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, it's it's a very interesting thing too because I get a lot of people um who ask me about about voiceover and stuff. And you know, I'm not like the the creme de la creme. Like I I'm I'm pretty new in this space in comparison to a lot of like my peers or people who are working on these projects and stuff. Um, but it's always interesting because I'm like, they say, well, you know, I've done a lot of like drama and I've done a lot of stage acting and stuff. And it really is, it's, it's a beneficial thing to have in your, your arsenal for sure. I never did any uh, stage theater or anything like that. So I do feel at a little bit of a disadvantage in terms of like formal training and stuff. Um, but it really is an interesting thing because I'll talk to folks who have done, you know, drama their whole lives, right? Like they were part of drama club in high school. They did, you know, college productions. They've been on X, Y, and Z. And even they admit, like, it, it is definitely like a different skill set to try and bring forth a character's mannerisms with your voice versus like when you have different things to work with, like your your facial 
your facial expressions and your your hand movements and your body movements and stuff like that. And it, it really is a different skill. I mean, albeit like acting, having any acting experience is super helpful. Um, but what I always say is basically like, if you are interested in voiceover and you have done drama and stuff, like still please take classes because it is a different skill set, even though that is going to help you so much, especially in like the the front of, you know, being able to perform in front of people and being able to think on your feet and having that improvisation kind of skill set and everything like that that comes with being someone who's done stage work. Um, so it's, it's very interesting. It's very interesting to see how how it does transfer when they do get like these big wig celebrities to, to do these roles. What are you talking about? Uh, Keanu Reeves was great in, in cyberpunk. Oh, <laughs> totally not a I waste of money. <laughs> I know. I but but you know he's he's he's, he's Keanu Reeves. You know, <laughs> there there was like a poll from having him, I guess, because everybody's like, oh my god, Keanu Reeves, you know, I'm so excited, man. Um, but he, I wouldn't say like. You know, he did a horrible job, right? Who am I to say that? Um, but yeah, they they probably could have hired someone really good, but they just wanted Keanu Reeves, Reeves in their game, and I can't blame them. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't terrible. Like there are some, like there are some scenes where he's really good when he's like, <laughs> you know, when he's not being asked to play this character who's supposed to be like this jerk rock star. He's great. But when yeah. he's asked to play a jerky rock star... Well, he's just uh, such a nice person I mean... <laughs> from, like, all the things I've seen. And, like, to pull... It's 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 really one of those things where typecasting comes into play, right? Like, for me, I... Most of the roles I've gotten have been that nerdy, quirky helper character, right? Like, always a bridesmaid, never the bride in terms of, like, you know, not main character. Like, I'm... I, I've accepted my lot in life... And if I ever get to play a main, I'll be super excited. But like, um, it's one of those things where typecasting can be beneficial a little bit. I, I'm not a big fan of the the concept of it, but it, it is a reality. And Keanu Reeves just doesn't strike me in any of his roles as like, you know, super duper jerk mode. Like, <laughs> he's just always like so nice. And like, I, I don't know. I don't see I don't see like meanness oozing from his orifices. You know, and that was my problem with this performance is that I don't buy him as a, as a jerk. I'm just like you are too, you are too much of a nice guy for me to buy you as a jerk. Right, right, and I think that that also does kind of um, bring into play like the concept of is is having like the models of like a, a celebrity in a game really the best bet too because you're associating how that character looks with. Keanu Reeves, right? And you know how Keanu Reeves is in all of his other roles if you've watched his work. And I, I like even if you put another voice on him, it's still going to be like, why is Keanu Reeves being such a jerk? You know? <laughs> um, it's like uh, Death Stranding with Guillermo del Toro, where it's Guillermo del Toro doing the doing the mocap, and it and it looks like Guillermo del Toro, but it's voiced by someone else, and it's kind of like right. It's so does, weird. It's so weird. Why does Guillermo not sound like Guillermo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hate it. I hate it. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, you know. Um, I I personally am not a fan of like when they use celebrity models in games. Like I'm, I think it's great when they use 
celebrities as voice actors and like they completely blow it out of the water and you can't even tell it's them because they're just like such good actors in general um but when when it's like the character model is literally the the actor it's like oh to me it's like i can't i can't get immersed in this this person literally is like you know is literally keanu reeves that was my problem with uh star wars uh, fallen jedi like i i'm sorry because deborah wilson is amazing but like i don't like the fact that they used her facial uh features for the character because it's like right all i see is deborah wilson and i'm like didn't they, I, uh... didn't they also use uh that actor from from uh oh gosh gotham. what is it gotham not um, i'm thinking of oh god it's a tv uh, show it's on netflix um shameless shameless uh they used they used one of the sons in shameless he's like the redhead kid yeah, he was um, uh, he was uh, in Gotham as well. Oh, oh, he was in Gotham too. Well, I knew him from Shameless, <laughs> and it just I couldn't separate him from that kid on Shameless. You know, uh, while like watching playthroughs of it, I didn't play it myself, but uh, it's, it, it's, it can be a little disorienting. Yeah, and then Forrest was Forrest Whitaker shows up, and I'm kind of like, ah, I can't separate <laughs> the two. <laughs> it looks too much, too much like the actor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, if you're going to use that, that's why I'm in favor of like not having uh, characters look like their voice actors because it creates the illusion that, you know, you're voicing someone completely different. Right. I mean, just in terms of like, I, it's, I think representation is absolutely important. Um, So in terms of like casting and stuff, directors need to be taking that into account. Um, But having like, a character be your face uh i don't know i don't know how i'd feel about that i mean i guess that's a cool opportunity and they they pay you like residuals and stuff because they're using your face <laughs> but uh, uh again it goes back to death stranding and that you know i just see norman reedus i don't see a character exactly i'm like oh it's daryl <laughs> <laughs> And it's a shame because I like Norman Reedus. I think he's a very fun- a great actor. Oh, he but is. But I just, you know, I can't separate. <laughs> I just can't. Yeah, no, no. There's no way to do it. Because <laughs> like, that's the problem. It's like in an era where actors play themselves, basically, because it's so rare to find a, an actor nowadays who plays, you know, ca- who play characters because everything's like, oh, you got to be yourself and what have you. Right. It just becomes like, you know, I struggle with that now and that I just want, can we go back to what, to the days when um, actors played characters and not themselves in movies? Because <laughs> I don't like that. I mean, there there is still that, like that does still exist, you know, um, but typecasting is, is very much like a big thing and it's it's hard to get out of, right? Like, there are some people who play really nice guys and they are not really nice guys. You know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's one of those things where typecasting can be both good, but also very, very bad for an actor's reputation. I feel. Yeah. I mean, that's why what, what's his face? Uh, Tom Holland did cherry. Cause he's like, I just don't want to be known for Spider-Man. I just want to do right. something completely different. And, you know, credit where it's due. He did a great job with, yeah, the movie wasn't wasn't you know wasn't anything to write home about, but he did something different. So, I applaud him for that for trying something for sure. different. 
And uh, I kind of think more people should do that and that, you know, just try something different. Don't just, you know, be contempt with uh, be contempt with um, typecasting. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, <laughs> I've uh, rambled <laughs> on long enough about about <laughs> acting and typecasting and and what have you. And uh, I got to get going uh, before we wrap it up. Like, where can people find you online? Uh, well, I'm on Twitter as at Phelin, F-H-A-E-L-I-N. And it's the same thing for Twitch as well. That's my gaming alias. <laughs> um, but yeah, so pretty much just just Twitch and Twitter. I'm also on Instagram as well. Same thing. Nice, uh, cohesive branding, I guess. <laughs> All right. And uh, thanks for taking t- the time off to do this. And this has been a lot of fun. And if you ever want to come back, you know where to find me. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Take care. Bye. Yeah. Bye-bye.